0: This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced in the play and the guitar because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressured to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that i personally don't follow closer it's not something that you see too often i only know a few players that do it now from the home of the blues chicago illinois welcome to guitar talk with
1: your host jimmy warren
0: all right everybody jimmy warren here thank you so much for tuning in to guitar talk it is an absolute pleasure to be with you again this wednesday night Man, I don't know about you, but this weather, man, I can't get, you know, one day it's hot, next day it's snowing and in the 30s. It's been really, really crazy around here. You know, hopefully it'll settle down, settle down. Uh, A couple of quick things. Make sure you go to guitartalkofficial.com and register for our newsletter so that you can get all the latest information on what's going on for the entire month on Guitar Talk. Because believe me, there is so much out. I don't know if you've seen it. We just recently put out a new demo uh, of the Lila Drive Overdrive pedal. Uh, Really great pedal. Sounds amazing. Federico's doing that for us over in his studio in Maryland. He does a fantastic job. You definitely want to check it out. We also released a new episode of Hidden Gems, which is where we spotlight guitars from all around the world. Uh, The one that just released on Guitar Talk TV at the website was Rob Balducci. Rob Balducci uh, is a guitarist for Chioso, who is on uh, Steve Weiss' Favored Nations label. Uh, Rob is outstanding. I mean, really, really outstanding in that. I've been connected to him for quite some time now on social media, and I always love it when he posts new videos and talks about his gear and you know, does different things. He's really talented. So you can go check those out at guitartalkofficial.com and make sure that you sign up for the newsletter. Today, you know what? Today, uh, my guest is Guy King. Uh, Guy King, you probably know him. Uh, he's from Israel. He lives in Chicago now. He has built a reputation as a blues-slash-jazz artist on Delmark Records. An amazing player, really gifted, talented guy, man. And uh, he went into the studio before the uh, whole pandemic thing hit and recorded a new album. It, it features Joe Bonamassa. It's got Josh Smith as the co-producer, so there's some <laughs> there's some heavy hitters behind him. And the album is a little bit different than well, it's I think it's a lot different than his previous work you know because this is more uh, centered around the song than the genre. I mean, some songs almost sound like if you if you had your eyes shut and you were listening to the song, you might think that the song itself was a Steely Dan tune. I mean, it's it's that close to it. So it's a really great album and this was a really good interview. Now he's got a new album, like I said it's coming out Uh, May 28th it's called Joy is Coming I believe he's got a new uh, single that's coming out on the 28th of April here and that's the one that features Joe Bonamassa you're gonna you're gonna really dig that one it's very very good it's just a great album man Another thing that excites me about this project is uh, my new company called Big Boost Publicity. Uh, we do publicity for uh, for artists and bands and record labels and things of that nature, and uh, we're going to be helping out on this one, and I'm really excited about it because uh, this album has so much potential, but Guy is so talented. So I think that this album is just really going to elevate his career. It's going to be really, really cool. So... I'm not gonna say too much more. We're gonna jump right in, and I think you're really gonna dig this. This is Chicago's very own guy King. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Oh no, it's my pleasure. Been wanting to do it for a while. You've been doing a lot of those, huh? Uh, I've been doing. I've been doing between one and four a week since July of last year. Wow. That's when I started. So, yeah, some weeks I'm doing four uh, a week. Now I just I, – the show's airing on Mountain City Rock Radio in Montreal. That starts this Saturday. So now it's not just on all the streaming places, but now I'm doing a show specifically for that. Incorporating wow. it, so That's cool. Yeah.
1: How did you start doing it? What was the –
0: well, you know what, it, what are you interviewing me here? It's, uh, 2000, I'm
1: interested 2000, how you got into it.
0: Well, you know, it, I was in radio before I had a radio show prior. Cause I used to tour and I toured for around, I don't know, 17 years. Okay. And then I stopped and I got out of music and then I ended up doing a radio show for three years. And, um, and then in 2019, I decided I was going to do another album and okay. so I got Walter Trout's guys, you know, I got Johnny Edgar Park and Michael Lazier to play on it. And I did an album and I was going to release it in March and do like, you know, everybody does go on the road, yeah. do your thing the best you can. And, you know, every, you know, everything happened with COVID. And, uh, and I was like, dang, I really wanted to, you know, take a step back into music. And somebody said, Hey, why don't you go do your DJ thing for a while? You know, maybe that'll, you know, you know, get you back into it, you know, a little bit, you know? And so I said, yeah, what the heck? So I started the podcast. I came up with the idea January last year, launched in June. It's crazy. It's crazy. My first guest was Mark Goldenberg who plays guitar for Jackson Brown and Bonnie Raitt and, you know, a lot of, a lot of people like that. Yeah. And I didn't know who was going to listen you know, I didn't know if anybody was going to listen. You know, who right. was, was going to get on the show? And now here we are, you know, it's like got everybody that's anybody. And we got around two hundred, three hundred thousand. 300,000, you know, listeners. A week. Oh, my so, goodness. Oh, Look
1: yeah. what I brought to sit next nah, to it, It's beautiful. But we can't see it. I can't figure out a spot. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know. Put it on your lap or something, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's all good. Is it messy or it's okay? No, you're fine, man. You're fine. People understand, you know.
1: I put together, see, I since it all started, I put together this, and I don't know if you saw the video I posted a couple of days ago. Yeah. Of, of the real to real that I'm recording to, because I'll tell you about the record. We'll do it on air, but I, I wanted more simplicity and I wanted tape. I wanted it to sound like it's been sounding in my head. So yeah, I started kind of collecting old older equipment, older microphones, vintage microphones, and reel-to-reel recorder and a two-track to master it too. And I said, you know what? It could be cool. And I started messing with that. So I'm like, I'm going back to analog to just taking the guitar, capturing it the way it is on tape, you know, with a couple of good mics. And I I kind of Gave me life because all the shows were canceled. All the tours yeah. and all the overseas, especially the overseas stuff was all yeah. done, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that, I think that's really cool. My, I remember my first album was recorded on two-inch tape.
1: Yeah, yeah, I recorded it on two-inch tape, too, <laughs> on my first Yeah.
0: One. yeah. So, uh, yeah, times have really changed. So uh, you're about to have an addition to your family, aren't you?
1: Yes, yes, yeah. uh, God willing, we are awaiting uh, the arrival of another another baby, a second, uh, yeah, this spring. So we'll see. Wow.
0: See, that's a good thing,
1: you know, it's a beautiful It's that's thing. a great one thing. Daughter. Yeah, we're
0: congratulations,
1: be, thank you. We have one daughter, she's gonna be four, yeah, and uh, we're looking for, we're excited for the addition, you know,
0: yeah, but you know what, about the time the addition comes right after that. Dad will get to spend a little bit of time with her, and then things will probably be open, and you'll be back on the road.
1: We don't know. We'll see how things
0: cross.
2: People
1: people will be safe and uh, and wise, and the pandemic and uh, quite at least we'll have a way to to deal with it better. We we hope, but seems to take a little longer than everybody expected. But you know, it is what it is. So we hope for.
0: Yeah, all you can do is make the best out
1: of what you got. That's for sure. So I'll tell you about that. I've been spending – we've been spending a lot of time as a family, you know. Um, yeah, that's good. My wife, my daughter, and me all together in a nucleus. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So, yeah. you know, trying to make the best out of a situation that's not uh, pleasant to, to anyone with the disease, with the pandemic, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's got to – you know, I think it would have to be a little bit harder to, to deal with it living in a big city. You're in Chicago, aren't you?
1: Yes, just north yeah. of the city so we have but we have a little more quiet uh oh, okay in Evanston so it's not really I used to be in the city and I imagine like we moved out here before we had our daughter. Oh, okay it's a little more quiet it's still more walking yeah. you go out for a walk and there's nobody there so you you can enjoy the the fresh air and and now not seeing people which is a good thing because because of the you know, yeah the virus so Yeah. 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 I mean, in the big city, I'm thinking about if we were still in the city, it would have been more. Everything would have been more difficult, more challenging.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. You want to know something? Your your history is really, really cool. The backstory of of Guy King's life is, I think, from what I read and what I've heard you know, sounds really fascinating to me and how you could go from where you were as a child, like playing clarinet and, you know, doing some of those other things to end up in Chicago playing blues. Yeah. I mean, I know you can't tell me everything that happened to make that happen, but, but what was that like though?
1: I mean. Different, Uh, you know, coming up, I think it, I speak about me, but I think every kid, every young kid that that is uh bitten by the dream of the of the of the music and how it'll be, you start to kind of imagine things, you know, how it'll be to be on stage to play in front of people. You know, when you just pick up the instrument and start being somewhat good at it, you start, you know, you're looking up to, to yeah. certain figures that that you kind of learn from, uh being self-taught, especially. So You're trying to imagine how it would have been being on stage with them and, you know, I don't know, standing on a large stage on a festival at uh, at the Royal Albert Hall, you know, all different things. And it was, I kind of believed in myself. Just the second I picked up the guitar and started playing and singing, I'm like, that sounded good to me. You know, I'm like, yeah, this is good. And when I made a mistake, I'm like, it didn't sound good. So I was pretty much, I was like, okay it doesn't sound good now, but you can make it sound good. So when I did make it sound good, I was confident enough and conscious enough to say, hey, I could, it's going and it's going fast. I could do something, with this, you know? Yeah. Uh, Before that on the clarinet too, you know, I kind of heard, I heard music since I was born, you know, and I sang since I was three and I played clarinet since I was six and in an orchestra and like a 30 piece horn, like a large orchestra, you know? So I kind of, I was listening to a lot of things at home. My parents, uh, while they did not play, they had music playing around the house a lot, so it was in all the time. You know, he's soaking it in, and then it, he's if you are making the one and one is two connection, it will go out in some kind of way too. So when it started going out more in my early teens, I figured there were guitars around the house. One of my older brothers played, so there was an nylon string, an acoustic, and a really beat up old electric. So I took the nylon string, finally was large enough to put my arm <laughs> around it. My friend taught me two chords, three chords, I could sing with it. And I'm like, hey, that's cool. I could finally sing with it, not the clarinet, which I'm just playing the the chart of the two. So it started happening, you know, and I kinda formed a band or joined a band when I was 14 already or 13. And things happened quickly. I think within six months, I was able to play the, the Eric Clapton solos that I liked so much for my brother's record. And like three months, time, six months, my brother comes on like, who is this playing? And my mom, <laughs> and my brother, and he goes like, but he doesn't even play the guitar. I said, well, he picked it up. So <laughs> things happened kind of quickly, which I was very happy about. Then everything else kind of got blocked out. You know, like, I'm like, wow, this is... This is great, you know. I'm thinking about it. I'm feeling it. I'm listening to records, you know. Um, and one thing after the other, you know. I put the clarinet aside and started playing and playing and playing. And came to the states when I was 16 already on tour with the traveling band from Israel. Mostly as a singer, though. I only played it <laughs> the, because there was like a a backdrop. There was like a we not we'd sing live, but the music was a playback. You know, yeah. like a like a band. So the acoustic shows, I would take the guitar and it was like five male singers, five female singers, all teenagers. So yeah. it was a tour, like a three, four months tour, a like hundred shows. It was shows every day, something like two, three times a day, like a lot of shows. Wow. So it was, you know, more 120 shows. I don't know. I don't remember. And I'm like, I got a chance to come to Memphis to go to a, to listen to gospel at certain churches, which I like the music. I came to Chicago and performed here. Uh, they took me into BB King's Club in Memphis at 16 because they told him, they explained to him how much is important to me. So I I got a taste, you know, and the bug got stronger in me. And I'm like, well, this is what I dreamt about. I only saw it in movies, you know. So mm. did the army in Israel, uh, finished the army in the 21, got back to the United States. Gets on my shoulder and uh, things just, again, I started my route in Memphis, Tennessee, then headed to Louisiana, to New Orleans, then came to Chicago. And here, they started happening in Memphis, I have to say, very quickly, but I was already on the move. You know, after being in the Army three years, I figured, some people ask me, why didn't you stay? Sometimes I used to ask myself, but after being set three years in the Army, I wanted to see more, wanted to travel a little bit, and Mm. it led me here. And things happened here pretty quickly. To like, people heard me play, and I was just asked to play more and more. And you know, you know, how it is mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. plays. But things sometimes happen when you, not the way you think that would happen. It just life happens. So,
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, your your early days though, before coming over here, and that at some point in time you had to get you had to get hooked on, you know, BB King and you know some of the um, some of the legends in that. Definitely. Where did that influence come in your life? Did you just stumble it across it or was it through cream? You said you played cream, you
1: know, your brother. No, stuff. Not cream, it was clap. I'll tell you what it was. Uh, it's funny. You see the turntable behind me and the first record I got when I got this turntable for, for the studio, for the house, so I can show my daughter what records <laughs> and all that. I ordered two. I found an old copy of Michael Jackson thriller on of David Bowie's let's dance. He said, what? Oh. So people don't realize some of these things. Not the, I didn't know about Stevie Ray Yeah. My sister had these, we had those on 33 at the house. So I looked at the cover a million times and put it on and probably scratched accidentally the record a million <laughs> times. I could also tell you that my older brother, one of them, gave me a Marvin Gaye uh, album, a CD it was, and an Eric Clapton story, which was the best of, like chronological yeah. from the beginning later on. And It was a huge, like I would say, again, people don't realize, so I'm glad we're making this guitar uh, talk. Clapton was the reason I play guitar. Really? It was not the reason I play music, because it started way before I knew about a lot of these uh, people. There was an era of music in Israel a little bit before my time Uh, that was really musical really melodical, great harmonies. I think it was worldwide in the 60s and 70s. It was great music being made. And there too, and it put a lot of notes in my head. Some Brazilian music influence like Bossa Nova and and uh, and, and Light Samba, the music from, from England, from, from the Beatles, from Clapton. From here, my brother loved uh, my, sorry, my father really liked Louis Armstrong, so I remember watching movies and seeing that song, and I played clarinet, so the orchestra would bring some of these arrangements, uh, even though some of them were classical. It was not like a jazz band. Some of it was really classical music, some was jazz. Ray Charles would come on the radio sometimes in Israel, and my parents had the radio on, which I was like, "Why are we listening to this in the afternoon, but then I can't stop loving you would come on or George on my mind, or something with a little. And I remember always like, "Hey, what is this?" So this is how, this is how the music came before I even played guitar. Uh, but through that Clapton, so I wanted to strum and play along and sing because I sing. But when that Clapton CD came with my brother, I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? You know, hear a song like Cocaine? I shouldn't say it. I'm a little kid, but I didn't know the lyrics too much. I just, you know. What do you know? I loved that. But on that same one was Crossroads, was Sunshine of Your Love, uh, then White Room But there was also a rambling on my mind. And I see Robert Johnson, and I'm like, who is Robert Johnson? And further on up the road, I'm like, I like this music. There's a lot of guitars, more dominant and things, you know. So I was really into Clapton, which started me. And through him, he, he, uh, I still love his music, his musicality, you know. But through him, like he gave credit. I felt so he talked how much Robert Johnson was great, you know, mm-hmm. and he said how much BB King is the best he ever. You know, he talked about how You see that he tried to copy Albert King on a solo of, on Cream. And I'm like, so I started hearing these names through him, you know? Yeah. And uh, there was a teacher of guitar in the area. I got into Stevie Ray Vaughan from A Mention of a Friend, too. You can't really hear it too much. You probably hear the Clapton more in my playing, but I was really into uh, the two. And then, like, I remember him in an interview saying, and I got the, you know, Got a little mag guitar magazine and say that he's talked about Albert King. I'm like, Albert King? Go to a record store in Israel, you can't find it. There's no Albert King on the show. There may have been one B.D. King CD, you know? Mm-hmm. So I ordered one, and I'm like, I had to go. I remember I went to the city, like an hour and a half drive in a bus, in two buses, ordered one. Ah, oh, this is not here. So when can I get it? In a month. We'll call you. I go back to the country town where I'm from, <laughs> off the field. It was like this, you know. It's not like I'm 100 years old. I'm young, but things were different. There was no internet. You had to right. go to the store. And I'm in the country. There were 60 families in the little city. So you have to get to the city. And I heard of B.B. King. A friend uh, gave me to my, I think, 14th birthday at B.B. King. Uh, best of the electric sides. I remember. I still have it. I was, wow, what is this voice? It was clear. It wasn't belting like you have an impression on blues that's wrong. It was clear and strong. The guitar was so clean. It wasn't what you think, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Albert King, when I heard that, I put everything aside. Because like, I, <laughs> I was interested in Vaughan, which I still think is, is a wonderful, he a, was a wonderful guitarist, he can't deny it. But when I heard Albert King, I'm like, what is it? like one, one note, one blend and everything stopped. I felt like time stopped. The guitar sounded different to me than the guitar I heard before, you know? Mm-hmm. It was not predictable and it being self-taught on the guitar mostly, I did not understand how what's going on, you know? How mm-hmm. can it sound like this? And then I really soaked myself and immersed in that. Through BB King, I heard a T bone Walker. I was able to get a T-Bone Walker compilation. Somebody brought me an Albert Collins and a Freddie King CD for my birthday. And those you can still hear Am I playing the most probably. Albert King, B.B. King, uh, Ray Charles, my mm-hmm. vocal. Uh, Albert Collins and T-Bone Walker. I got into Gate Mouth Brown. I start, and then Robert Johnson became big. I took a segment and kind of took the acoustic guitar, which I started playing. I was not, I started playing nylon string, then acoustic guitar, and then I was able to get an electric guitar. That's what was a bit available to me. Yeah. So this is kind of my story. On that same time, though, Jimmy, the music I was listening to was not all guitar-based before that. It was a lot of Stevie Wonder, like I told you David Bowie, and James Brown, and Elvis at the house, and and uh, and uh, Little Richard, which I got these tapes in my Walkman of Little Richard a lot and Chuck Berry. So these things I used to like as a kid because... You know, Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder were a lot easier to get where I'm from. You couldn't get B.B. King and Robert Johnson. You'd have to hear about it from somebody and wait a month. Stevie Wonder would have been played on the radio. Mm. You understand? Or Marvin Gaye. So I love that. So when people ask me, how do you write? Why, Why do you? It's not a lot of music I listen to because that's it was more popular. It was more readily available. And I liked it. I still love it. You know, I still listen to Earth, Wind, and Fire. And you used to hear September on the radio, even in Israel. Yeah. You understand? James Brown. Every country knows about James Brown. So some of that more popular music, but the more soulful ones that I'm mentioning came to my possession. And I, I liked it. Even though the guitar was not the dominant instrument, it didn't matter. The the feeling, the soul of the music, the harmony, the melody, and the groove. You know, it got to me. So that's kind of my story. And about the guitar, I told you what it was. And then later on, this was already here. I uh, I was already a member of Willie Ken and the Gents, and uh, I got a lot deeper into Ray Charles. I came to Chicago, actually, Jimmy, and it was cold here. I never saw snow like this. I was freezing. I didn't have the right clothes. I didn't know what to do myself, you know? Yeah. And then somebody gave me a Ray Charles, a gifted me a Ray Charles five album, five CD compilation, and he was my best friend. You know, he was my best friend. I was by myself, and he was like, that that album was like, ah, like yeah. all the answers to the way I was feeling. You know, you feel blue, you feel alone, you feel cold, you feel mad, you feel glad. Seems like uh, Ray Charles had the, he knew what you're going through, and I dove into that, and the notes started coming through and I started trying to figure him out slowly but surely I had more questions about music which I didn't know how to find the answer so I dove in and kind of taught myself through Ray mentioned Errol Garner I started listening to Errol Garner the pianist Oscar Peterson got around the corner after I was already playing with my thumb we should mention that on my right hand to Wes Montgomery and Mm. I'm like okay, I guess I'm onto to something because he's doing it and it sounds great. <laughs> and I kind of started listening to, a lot more to Montgomery and to other people, Lee Morgan and Art Blakey and some of the names, Jimmy McGriff, the organist and got more vocabulary under my belt because I've, I like certain things, you know, and I'm like, I wanted to be able to play it. I didn't like the fact that I'm really good at one thing and I'm playing with Willie Kent and the gents and getting notoriety and people talk about me or say that I'm good. But I'm listening to something, and I, I told you since I was little, I'm like, I'm doing this great. I'm not doing this good. I kind of looked at the mirror and like I should be able to do that, you know. So I made myself get into it, you know, to try to be the best that I could be. And I taught myself a lot of things. And if I had a question, I was kind of like I asked too, you know. If somebody was good at something, you know, hey, you know, what is it? How do you approach this? I remember some. You know, I should mention, like, I never even saw Hammond B3 before I came. All of a sudden I'm close friends with Chris Foreman and we talking and he comes over by my place and we like figuring things out and he tells me, listen to Teach Me Tonight. What? Teach Me Tonight became a stand that I'm known doing in the city because he told me to listen to in Washington. And then if you thirsty, we, we approach a lot of guitar players. we talking to guitar players, right? If so you're yeah. thirsty for the knowledge and you're willing to put in the work. You go and you listen to the track, right? And if it does it to you, I'm like, I can't play it. Why? I don't like to be, I didn't like being ignorant. I wanted to teach myself to be able to do the things that, that moved me, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was the thing, you know, in the blues, I was already a member of the community, but I was also playing what's called jazz. And I asked Bobby Broom, another great guitarist about some things that I couldn't, you know, and he, you know, I was able to see people play live, you know? I wasn't able to do that in Israel. But here, oh. seeing Bobby, seeing Andy Andy Brown and other close friends, and now they're all colleagues. But then I was like the kid that comes and like ask questions because I never saw people like playing. Yeah. Young yeah. Santo, Henry Johnson, another great jazz guitarist in the city. And then everybody became colleagues and you see that everybody's really cool. And it's like this, you know, then music becomes like a second, I don't hmm. know like a second home and you tour and you talk about it and you just live it, you
0: know? Yeah. Did you, when you came to Chicago, did you have an experience where uh, maybe you went to, uh, you know, a jazz club or one of the blues clubs or something uh, and somebody just kind of, was there somebody in the city that just kind of took you under their wing? You know what I mean? It was there that person for you?
1: Yeah, I had a few. I was fortunate. And there was some some incidents, good ones that, made me, you know, coming to a place with a guitar in a suitcase, like in a movie with nobody. uh, It's not an easy task because you miss the folks, you miss your food, you miss the people around you that, you know, you spend a lot of time by yourself wondering what you're even doing here. You know, I know I did and I don't think I'm the only one, you know, so I remember in Memphis, it got kind of lonely. I had good people that helped me. I took me in and gave me a place to stay, for example. Not music related now, good people related. Mm-hmm. So I had a family like this in Memphis, and I had a family like this here that we still like family. So, but musically, I'm like starting from scratch, you know. So I remember the night when I was scheduled to leave from Memphis to New Orleans. I already had the the Greyhound ticket because that's how I went from Memphis. I was invited to sit in, in a place called Wild Bill's. I think it was North Memphis, and a musician colleague took me to the club, and I played. And I played with everything I had. And I took my guitar, finally out the case after, and I was hired on the spot, like, lead the band on a Saturday night. Then the bass player, I guess, was, the bass player used to play with Albert King, so, and, so this one compliment, and being hired, even though I couldn't do the gig because I had a ticket in my hand to leave, just this good thing, like, people like what you did, gives you, like, a certain tap Mm -hmm. on the shoulder, like you're doing something right. don't stop there. Even though you may know it, but some, we all need sometimes some, a tap on the shoulder, right? Mm -hmm. So these type of things, one happened in Memphis, one happened in New Orleans. Here it happened quickly, Uh, some people won't know, Lil Max Simmons was a harmonica player here in the city. He heard me play one time, he was with Aaron Burton at Rose's Lounge. Mm -hmm. So I came up here on the train, from New Orleans, I think it was 20 hours, from New Orleans uh, on Amtrak to Chicago. And somebody told me on the train, go to these spots. He was Buddy Guys Legends. He was Blues on Halsted. He was uh, Rose's Lounge. He told me like four four or five spots that they had a jam session. So I went. I took my guitar and went. So Mac, Lil Mac Simmons and Aaron Burton, both of them died. Aaron Burton was a bass player, singer, member mm-hmm. of Albert Collins' Icebreakers for the Ice Picking record. They hired me on the spot. I played two notes. They looked back. Can you play next week? You have an amp, a car? Like, yeah, I did not have an amp. I did not have a car. <laughs> I went and bought a, uh, an old gray Buick Century that died every night in another location, but it got me to the gig and then got stuck after night, after the gig, bought a Fender amp and did the gig. You know, sometimes you have to kind of push through. So they gave me a push. Um, uh, a bigger push got to me with, uh, with Willie Kent. I heard him one night at a club. Somebody took me, uh, two people from France, they did a writing for Soul Bag magazine. And they saw me play with Mac and Aaron, was very, uh, wrote about me that I was good and very nice to me. It took me to see Willie Kent. And I was like, wow, what a voice. You know, I was, I was in awe. It was the big blue Chicago on 736 North Clark Street. They closed down since that one. Yeah. And it was Saturday night. The club was packed. And It was a band and they were hidden. But Willie's voice just carried, kind of like that D.B. King, clear but strong, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was in awe. And he comes to me and he goes, Ah, so you're a blues man, you play. I was so young, I was 21. I was young and shy. I barely spoke, wore a hat, you know? <laughs> But he said, come see me whenever you're not playing yourself. I'll let you sit and I want you to hear my music. He was really kind to me. And I would come every time I was off, you know, to see a band play live. I did not take it for granted. I could not, you know, you grow up here as far as music in the States, you can see bands and musicians in the street at festivals, playing this type of music that I like so much, you know, at churches, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I did not have that. I saw it on rare VHA tape that somebody would bring me <laughs> like, on a documentary on TV. And so I only had the records and the CDs and the tape cassettes to like imagine a dream. And I was living in a dream until I came. And then Willie took me in and uh, he just one time he called me to sit in. He would see me that I was there. He would say hello every time and he called me to sit in and kind of, you know, I, I lost both my parents younger. I went back to Israel at that part of the time and took care of them. And uh, they had cancer and, you mm. know, I didn't try, but, you know. Yeah. Got different bad. plans. So then Willie called me when I was in Israel and asked me, said, look, I have a spot in the Well And he told me before I left, I told him, my parents are not doing well. I need to go to take care of them. And he called. There was a, I had a, Call from the French people in the magazine. Willie Kent is looking for you. Okay, I'll call. And I called and he said, He told me before I left, I may, I'm going to do a recording. I may want you to put on the record. I said, okay. I thought, Okay, he's nice. He's a really nice man and he's being nice to me. And then he called, <laughs> said, Hey, I want you to join the band. Can you be here in September? I was here at the end of August yeah. and with the guitar and he was like, I remember you just came. I said, Love told me you had a spot for me, he said I did. So he gave me the, and he took me under his wing and he really did, he said, this is what this is. He was really honest, told me what we make every night, what's going on, this is this, this is this, this is wrong, this is right, keep an eye out. Okay then. <laughs> and it was it, Jim. Then it was like four nights in a row, from nine to 1.30, I was bleeding by then, cause I was playing a lot, but playing live, from 9 to 1.30, four or five nights in a row, and mostly lead, you yeah. go, that's a workout. That's not, you know, if you're not used to doing it, then it becomes like, a, after you're used to doing it, it's like, you well, the, the played 35 hours straight. But to me, it was like, wow. Yeah. And then the gigs were happening, and you know, I remember the first gig, people came and dropped like, tip 100 dollar bills at the stage with my legs on my soles, and William, the drummer, Dave Jefferson, which was Albert King's drama for like 11 years. Yeah. They looked at each other and said, I told you. I'm like, what's going on? It's going to be like this every night. People are going to throw 100- hundred <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was here, I was 21. And I'm like, right. It was like, you know, there was this sense of urgency, it was different. You know, there were, I didn't know anything about internet, I didn't have a cell phone. It was, that's all there was. At that moment, I have to be my best because. I'm 21. The next to me in the band is 60 and they, it sounded good good to me. So I had to, I had to be as good or better. If not to me, I would not, I'm not good enough. That's how I look at things, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually played with little Max Simmons too. Really? Yeah, I did. Uh, The person that took me under the wings in Chicago was Buddy Scott.
1: I used to perform with Patricia a lot. So I know oh, about you? Patricia Scott. So I know a lot about Buddy from her.
0: Yeah, I did, I did a lot of things with Buddy on and off. And Buddy was the one that introduced me to everybody. And uh, Nate Turner was one of the first people he introduced me to that got me gigs. It was him and Lefty Diz and, uh, I mean, not, uh, Little Max Simmons, Nate Turner, the Windy City Blues Band. It was yeah. like all these, all these different people. Tyrone Davis. Because yeah. his son was running the band, you know, for for Tyrone. So, uh, you know, I, I just, I just wonder when you look at the city now, when you it's look different. at the, yeah, I was gonna say, isn't it completely different? It's just, it.
1: yeah, but yeah. I think it's been completely different. To, you know, Willie Kent died in two thousand and six. I felt the change in about two thousand and four, five already, and then there was a period. He passed away. Bonnie Lee passed away. Some others passed away. Matrix, yeah. and I'm like, oh, but the music seemed to all of a sudden shh, change as mm-hmm. far as the, I was already dipping into other areas of music. I have to be honest. And Willie heard it when I was playing with him. He looked at me and was like, I hear you're doing other things. It sounds great. He kind of really didn't. I, I kind of had the sense to know when to just play the blues because that's what he's talking about singing. And when to lay off, and when to fit a certain something, but you know how it is—you work at something, right? Right. And he heard it, and he was kind of propping me, you know. Even he was a singer and a bass player. At the first show with the band, he had me start the show mm-hmm. and set back and let me front and sing, which I thought was like, wow, because he said, "I know you sing." So he kind of prompted me, you know. I remember yeah. him saying, "We were on tour in Europe in France. It was towards the end already, you know. It was like." He came to me and gave me a hug. We were really close, like really close. You know, we would go out. He rarely drank, but then he sometimes would have a glass of wine. And towards the end, he started having another glass of wine, you know. <laughs> after show, sometimes he'd like come with me. And he would not hang out with other people. He would be like old school, you know. Usually trouble happens. So I'm keeping low. And we would go, just him and I someone, and maybe have a glass of wine together, or a coffee, or breakfast after yeah. a gig. And it in Europe, that one night it was like he said, I'm really proud of you. You've become really, really great. And I know I'm gonna sit back on my on my couch and watch you on TV because you are really and I was really, really, but it was a daily thing. The reassurance for yeah. him happened almost every night when he closed his eyes and I hit a note kind of to try to be as intense as the way he sang. In my eyes. So as good as I heard Albert King or Rachel. And he would like, yeah, right away. As soon as I hit it, you know. <laughs> or the night I showed up without without a pick, just with my thumb and with a big quad reverb. And he looked at me as like, What you do different tonight? Like, oh, it wasn't great. I said, What you do different? I said, I didn't play with the pick tonight, finally. Because I was already like half of a gig chewing on the pick. I thought I'd choke on it one night because it was in my mouth instead of in my hand. So I'm like, I'm not bringing the pick. And it's a crutch, you know, so I played slower that night. I felt that I couldn't I couldn't facilitate all the things that I had. He said, you sounded the best you ever sounded, and you sounded like you. You didn't sound like Albert King anymore B.D. B.B. King. He said, and I told him, I felt like that too, but I can't play as fast. He was like, forget it. So he was a big uh, inspiration, and he gave me the stage, you know. Yeah. A lot of connections worldwide started because they saw me play guitar. I had a call the other day from somebody from Mississippi wanted wanted me to come. and said, you don't remember me? And I said, I'm not sure. Because I watched you just tear it up every night for Willa Canada. People used to go crazy when you played guitar. Like I almost forgot because it's been a while and I've been living yeah. my band and touring and thank God <laughs> in Europe and things opening up and out west more, and things. So you forget, kind of. And I'm like, wow, I was, it was some good nights, you know. Yeah. And then he kind of made me think about things and remember them. So Willie was definitely the guy that most, you know. There were others, though. You know, a lot of the venues are at Legends, but a guy himself came to me, I remember, and was like, I I thought I was shy the first time. Then we became closer and we talked. And but the first time when he told me, man, it's really a treat. I come here especially to listen to you. You're a great guitarist, I'm to have it. So I like sat quietly for like half an hour. I was young, you know. And back then you would know that there were not a lot of young, there were a lot of older guys, veterans mostly from the South. There were not a lot of young guys coming up at that time. So it was like a, you know. Remember Chico Banks used to come to Blue. There was a flock of guitarists on Monday that would come and sit at Blue. and I played, and they were all at the first. People try bands still to cut hits, but when they see that, I remember, it and they're like, man, you for real. And then you become <laughs> so close, you know, you become close, like calls and sit. Remember Chico used to hang out. I remember Magic Slim coming on Mondays at the. Uh, The blues on Halstead, the guys that would play at the Mines would come, you know. Later, they would tell me, you are the young slinger. They were like, where is you from? And they would be like, you from Israel? What? Willie can't say you're from Israel? There were all kind of funny incidents at the beginning, which I didn't know about, Jimmy, because I was like this really shy kid that just wanted to play and sing. I just wanted the music. Nothing else mattered to me, you know. Years later, when I started, you know, talking to people and people knew me, more and I was less shy to speak about it. Then they would tell me stories about, you know, about the book, but how they saw it then. But uh, the scene was—it was different. You were right; it was very different. The music has changed, the way of doing business have changed. I feel about even being booked at a club or what's necessary for it. I feel like you started—you were able to make a lot more win through social media than really what you're all about. And then there would be no way there were, first of all, there was no social media. Second, yeah. if you couldn't back it up, you would be kicked off the band, literally kicked off the bandstand because you're not coming with it, you know? Yeah. And now you make some noise and everybody's, you know, you can play the game and it's, it, I think it's easier. Maybe the business side, you have to be more resilient, but as far as the quality of what you're about and playing, I don't think it's as uh, intense and feeling-wise as it used to. I think you agree with me. Really, yeah,
0: I, I think so. And especially when you're talking, you know, about blues, you know, it's it's some of it's become more uh, rudimentary. You know, I mean, it, it's more um, mathematical or um, more Theory, you know, you guys are, you know, doing different scales and, you know what I mean? And, And stuff like that. It's not as emotional. Back then, it was like, it was a really passionate, emotional thing. See, when I listen to you talk about your history, mostly when you talk about the music and the influences in that, you, you, the passion, I mean, it exuberates from you. You can tell that this is something that you're all in with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of those guys back in those days, that's the way it was. That was all it was. It was nothing but that. And today, you know, it's, it's, there's guys like that, but it's not like that as much as it was, you know, before because people are, I don't know if it's because people are so busy and so much is going on and there's so many things, you know, that can happen or if it's because the market's so saturated because anybody with a computer, can start a band and put out an album yeah. I don't know if it's those things or not but that that love and that passion for you know I, you I can, know what? I can tell man I can see it I can see it all over
1: you you <laughs> are you you, you right yeah. second and that's how it was not just about me thank you for I look I take it as a compliment but you're right that that's how it was to me and after talking to that gentleman from Mississippi who called me the other week even my wife, I told her the story. And she was like, So what's what happened? How come people got so jaded out by music? There was more joy about the music. Mm-hmm. Now it's about being cool. And I have another saying, I think it was it was in to feel. There was less distraction. So he was in, it was cool. You could stop and feel. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I almost people are afraid of the feeling. Like, oh man, but okay, but and to me, that's all it is. If mm-hmm. there's no feeling, I don't want to waste too much. Like, I get upset almost. You understand? I like, yeah. would look at something and, like, like, I'm an old blues man or a jazz <laughs> like, why are you even wasting <laughs> Why are you even wasting my time with it? That's right. how I feel about it. Now, you would say, I, I'm being the devil's advocate. But, guy, you play more sophisticated. You run jazz and you play standards. I'm like, it's the same thing for me. That's the point. Yeah. Look, I was born at the end of 1977, okay? On October 3rd, 1977. I am not 60 or 70 or 80 from Hazel Hurts, Mississippi, okay? I'm not. I already heard a lot of things as a child. I'll be a liar, I feel. And this is where I started sound like myself. I think that even will be heard. It. I'll be a liar of sorts if I didn't play all of what I feel and try to give that to you because I want to give you my best. So, you know, with time, you become good at your craft, right? right. Or your instrument, you know? And then it's all a matter of uh, trying to feel like you're giving it really what you have to give. So at some point, people used to come, man, you sound like, just like Albert King. If you would have told me that when I was 16, when I first saw Albert King, I would have signed the paper. I would have signed it the crossroads. <laughs> when I heard about Robert Johnson, if you would have told me you gonna somebody come to you and say, Man, you sound like a, I would have signed on that crossword for that. I would have signed on the West Montgomery one and on the Jim McGee. I would have signed for all those. You know, I would have signed on the Ray Charles one twice. <laughs> but after you start getting the point, I was almost upset at myself after a good night of playing. That people, wow, he sound great. And to me, I'm like, man, I sounded like Albert King. Albert King is not me. I'm not yeah. there. I, There were other voices in my head, in my heart, that wanted to come out, other notes, other feelings. And to the point where I started to accommodate it, I set more and tried to get that vocabulary that was spinning here to be able to come out freely. When it started happening, now now I know that it will never happen exactly the way I want to. Because today, I'm a little bit different than yesterday, so I have to chase yesterday, which makes it so exciting to see and that's why you can always get better. You can never be the best because tomorrow you can be better at what you are today. You know, mm, right. that's Right. because you can do more, not more things, just technically more things to sound the way you imagine the sound to be in your head, you mm-hmm. know, or in the heart. So I started chasing this and started trying to beat myself more and more, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of players have a moment, uh, in their lifespan of, of playing that happens and it alters, you know, them completely. And as a matter of fact, it, it pushes them onto that track that uh, for the artists, for the guitar that you know, they become, for yeah. instance, you talked a, a little bit ago about the moment, you know, that you were playing with your pick and then all of a sudden, you know, now you're not with a pick. I mean, I know as a player myself, the dynamics between, uh, a pick and, and playing with your fingers can be night and day difference. Night and day, a night and day difference. But when somebody really grasps a hold, uh, when when a, when a time like that happens and a person really grabs a hold of it, it can really alter, you know, uh, them as a as a player. I mean, for a lifetime.
1: I mean, it it it, it, it yeah. I'm telling you that it did, and Willie heard it yeah. that night. And I will be honest with you, and I'll share this, and I'll say that. Losing my parents so closely and so relatively young was a big thing for me, Mm -hmm. like very close. Family is the most important thing to me. Whoever knows me knows that, you know, family and music. So this was like, emotionally was, it could have been like what led me to put the pick aside. It could have been the trigger that said, this doesn't sound like what you're trying to express. Forget it. It could have been, but emotionally, that was a thing that, like I felt like the mute, this is all I have now. I have nothing else. Mm-hmm. I have to play, you know, there's nothing else, you know. So you was either going bad or staying good and trying to give it all, all that I could, you know. And, and as far as the playing it's tech from a technical aspect, yes, playing fingers especially just the thumb, the, the amp needs to be different. I almost need something twice the, the volume and gain as some other player because the pick people don't realize it has tons of volume to it, the mm. tons of volume to it. So while this I may have a wider range or a subtler, more subtle touch, I have to comp I can't smack it. You know, it won't. It, it doesn't sound good to me. So I had to get a bigger amp. For example, that's why I started. People used to go crazy. I come to blues and halted with Fender Quad Reverb. You know, <laughs> and then to Andy's Jazz Club with two quad reverbs on both sides of the drums. i are like, what, you had a rock arena? I'm like, no, but I have a horn section and I play with my thumb. So to hear the subtleties, it needs to come out a certain, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: And, and, and then with time, you know, Jimmy, things started. I got into jazz. I led an organ trio in the city for a long time playing at the jazz spots while still performing the blues because it needs to be important. To me, it's about music, you know? Mm. You know me, you'll sit me sitting and playing bossa nova and singing in Portuguese. It doesn't, it's the music that moves my heart that I want to play. You know, James Brown had soul and played soul. Ray Charles played every style of music. I don't see music in, oh, blues. I'm in the blues. Mm-hmm. I'm a blues man. No, I'm not. I'm Guy King. Yeah. And I like to play and sing the best music that I can give you and myself. And this is pretty much it. And I'll share with you, I didn't, I'm going to announce it soon, but we should talk about it, that there's finally a recording that I'm about to share with the public very, very soon. That, Not good. That I feel that it's all coming out, finally. All those influences from the Clapton when I was young, from the earlier stuff, I brought in, brought in a core range for a string section on that on that recording. Uh The horns are still in, but less. There's more even rock influences and definitely a certain amount of pop and rhythm and blues. As far as people, the blues is always, to me, the blues is a feeling. You know, it's that little blue feeling in it. It doesn't need to be 12 bar or one chord for you to call somebody to label it as blues to me. You know, it just, that's me, you know. Funny thing is most of the blues men that I respect, so they call themselves blues men, or they will label those blues, man, would tell you the same thing. They told me that face-to-face, Mom's Still Gonna Die. They cared about good music, man. Mm -hmm. I talked to Willie and to other cats about, and to Buddy Guy about, about Ray, about O.V. Wright, about Bill Withers, about good music. It has nothing to do with the form of the music. It's the soul of the music. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm finally at ease, and with that recording, like, I'm actually so happy to to share it with the public because I feel you'll be able to to feel me more and know me more with the way I played, with the way I sang with the music all around, you know. Yeah. And the album will be all original too. It's all new music. It's not wow. there's no cup. I'm not doing anything by somebody else. It was all written, you know. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. I was gonna ask you because I, I knew the last album you released was, wasn't it, in 2016? Yes. It was four years ago, five years ago now. So uh, I think it was yes. called, called Truth. Truth, Truth yeah. yeah. It was a good album. Thank you. It was a real good album. Well, it, that's really cool. And it's exciting to hear that you're bringing in all those other uh, influences and passions, you know,
1: that I it's... To... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just turn on the light. Is it too much light? Or oh, okay? you're
0: good. No, you're good. I was, I was like, oh, what's going on?
1: Then and I that,
0: just kind the like no, that's really cool. So, do you know when it's gonna release? Do you have an idea, a time frame?
1: I remember when we wrote each other, I was like, I would love to to say something about it, but oh, it's like okay. still waiting on. It's still date is coming. I think it'd be sooner than well, we. I don't think the pre order pre sale is gonna be as long as we envisioned because we started to move it. Yeah, but uh, I won't say it could be any day, but I think in a matter of a couple of weeks, I should like pull the trigger and give the first the first teaser so people will see or hear a note of what it is you know i actually did share a couple if you go to my Instagram, i did i share a couple of clips mm. from right after we mixed it which yeah. was cool because we recorded it uh here mostly but i flew to los angeles to mix it there and it was right when it shut down like we were we were going to master it the next day and i'm like will we do it then? My wife is calling me like you should come back. You should come. They closing it. It was March. Like what you mean? I'm here. I can't. I can't just come back. We're here to mix the record, you know. And I'm sitting with Josh Smith at his studio in L.A. with Josh and Alan hurts mixing and everything is cool and we're in the moment and it's happening and it's sounding like I'm wonderful and like okay. And I'm like we get a call I'm like we probably shouldn't do the mastering from the mastering place because of everything. I'm like right, I'm telling Josh I'm flying tonight. We, done, we just finished the mix, the master. I'm like, the mix. I'm like, if we're not going to master them all, it's getting crazy. They're about to close. I don't know if I can come home. I have a wife, a child. I have to go. We got me a ticket that day. And I flew back that night to Chicago. And like the next two days, I think they closed airports and everything. And I'm like, okay. But we have the album and it's mixed. Yeah. So it's done. And then we mastered it. After. Then it kind of, that's why it took longer. It's been months and months. And I'm like, but well, I want to I share the music with the people. I can't just wait for the world will open up. You don't know what's going to be done while. So mm-hmm. I decided to, and people want music and people ask me about new music and they mm-hmm. knew about the record. And I I was really proud of the record and informed that I would like to share it with the people. From the very basic element is we made it. It's wonderful. I want to share it with the people that's, you know, it's kind of my, I feel like it's semi-autobiographical, This this record. So yeah. I decided, my, let's finish the mastering. Let's move forward. And a scoop to you, it'll also be my first vinyl, because it will be yeah. on vinyl. So oh, that's going to be The nice. first record on vinyl, which uh, the way we tracked it and the way it was mixed and mastered it, it should come out great on vinyl. And uh, But I did share a couple of short clips of it. One with uh, Joe Bonamassa was, was such a cool, such a friend and so cool because he, we talked through Norman at Norman Harris at Norman's Very Guitars, and he, we we do a, a dialogue in one of the songs on the guitars. So
2: yeah.
1: I posted like a 20 second thing right when I came back. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but geez, I thought I didn't know it was going to be there. So I thought I'll be able to release it right away. I didn't know the world will stop, you know? Yeah. And another yeah. Short clip that uh, Miss Vanessa Bell Armstrong is singing on one of the. Or one of the tracks with me. So I gave a little bitty taste of that months, months ago, but very soon I'm going to wow. go out and, you know.
0: So uh, did, uh, so did Josh, is Josh engineering the whole CD and
1: in- everything? Most of it was recorded here. The mixing, we were in Los Angeles. Yeah. So it's recorded here in Chicago at the Riverside Studio. Then we came to LA and Alan Hertz, and Josh, we were mixing it there. So Alan mixed it there I got it. at uh, Josh's uh, flat five studio it, in Los Angeles. Right, yeah. Then it was mastered at the bakery by Erica Bollinger. What's funny? I've never talked. I haven't announced these things yet. You're the first one. <laughs> but this is it. It was, uh, it was recorded here in Chicago at uh, Riverside. It was mixed in Los Angeles and mastered in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's well, you got great people.
1: And it was yeah. my, it was also, it was my, actually the, the band. It was, uh, Oh, that's good. I mean, Jewel on drums, Joshua Ramos on bass, Tom Vices on, uh, on, on keyboards, be it Fender Rose, Hammond B3 or synths. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, the horn section was my working horn section with Marcus Carroll, that's been with me on trumpet for 10 years or over, and Anthony Bruno on uh, tenor saxophone. Uh, the Kaya String Quartet is featured on the, is not featured, the, a few arrangements are done by them. My wife, uh, Sam Marie Young, uh, did the background vocals with Devin Velez and Tina Crawley. So it's a kind of a large, uh, ensemble but for the most part it's the ensemble you saw me with for the last couple of years you know yeah yeah it made everything very comfortable and very very natural you know because yeah. we get together to rehearse for a song or for a show and things kind of you know i wrote this record to kind of it started when my wife was we sh- we were pregnant with our daughter then around the truth time you know yeah. So that's when the idea for the new record and the song started. It's been that long for them wow. to and to come, and you'll see it on the on the lyric through the lyrics, you know
0: yeah, well you're you the people that you know love your music and that follow you and that are gonna be really excited, you know, because yeah, well, yeah, they always are because you know they wait so long, it's like, oh, it's been.
1: You know, it's been a year, it's been two years, it's been three years, you know, it's like. I hope to not make it that long, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it took longer. It To marinate took longer, you know, it never, you want this, but I started. Yeah. It just, but it was natural. So the way it happens, I used to fight it to try to make it happen. You can't yeah. make it. It happens the way it should happen, you know.
0: Yeah. And, and I think the other thing is, is that the, the market is so saturated with music. You know, it is. It's like now, it's like you put a single out, you know, every week, and an EP out every, you know, other week. And I mean, it's really that simple
1: now. You can. I think you're right, but in my mind, it's not. And if I wanted to do it this way for it to sound the way it sounds to me, that I can stand behind it. Still, after I hear it, so, heard it so long, I said, "Wow, it still feels the way I, I like." I'm proud to give it to you. Yeah. I don't look at like put the music out every year because it's good for the crowd. I would love to give it to the crowd. But if yeah. it's not moving for me, I feel I shouldn't share it with you. That's yeah. how I feel. And this, like, I feel like I'm standing behind it. Like, there you go. And I yeah. can give it to you and stay happy with the way I, I gave it to you. And with the story and with that chapter of my life, to put it on on vinyl, on a CD, to like, there it is. Yeah, you know, With the graphic design, with the art, with the whole thing, it's like a package that I would like to share with the people. Hopefully, with some of this analog stuff that you see behind (laughs) me, the next one won't take that long. It's closer to me now, so I could, you know, put it together and do more of what you want. But this, you know, I'm also a father, I'm a husband, and I perform live a lot. So, and I didn't have a way to record myself. So, I could, you know. Yeah. You know how it's like, it's uh I don't know, some people release all the time. Some people wait longer than I did. This one took, yeah, you're right. It took longer than I uh, than I expected it to, but uh I'm so happy with the result and being able to share it with, with the people soon that I think it's well worth the wait. You know? yeah. Well, well the
0: wait. Oh, I'm sure it's gonna be great. You know, I'm sure you'll you'll do really well and you know, you'll do well on the charts and who knows, who knows what kind of awards can come your way. You know, I, don't,
1: I just, you know, the award the really for this one, man, the award will be that, uh, that the people that's been supporting me and liking me will, uh, will, will love every, and feel yeah what I feel when I made it, when I wrote it, when we arranged it, when we recorded, when we recorded it and when I still listen to it, if this will happen, then I'm sure it will, uh, it will go behind that, beyond that. But this is my, this is really my, this will be my reward. If they feel that, then everything else will happen by itself. But, uh, you know, it's just, I really want to, wanted to share it with the people. You know?
0: Yeah, well, I, I think everybody's excited for it to come out. You know, I think everybody's yeah. going to accept it really well and you're going to do great with it. And then when things open up, my friend, you'll be all over the world doing what you do. I hope so. <laughs> that'd be
1: wonderful, you know? Right? They'll be wonderful.
0: Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Now, I got, I'm got. going to ask you this real quick. Uh, now, you, you're a guy, you tour all over the world. I mean, how different or, yeah, how different is it, you know, for musicians out there that are looking to maybe go abroad, you know, to Europe or Japan or something like that? How different is it to tour over there versus to tour in the U S?
1: Okay. So you mentioned two things. One, I would have to say that I do need to go back to Japan under my own name because I've, I've been there with Willie Kent and the chance, but I have not actually performed in Japan. I've been getting uh, some emails and notes on social media. When are you coming to Japan or to Australia? And I haven't been to neither. I remember a tour with Willie Kent that was supposed to go to Australia and he passed away. So, Uh uh, I love to come to Japan. I remember two great concerts that I did with Willie, and it was different. The way you were treated, it was different. It was really, it was one we had a wonderful time. We were there for a week. Europe is great. It's been always great to me. I started going more, uh, I think, in the last three years. It became uh, two or three times a year, because it was, uh, I haven't been. And I was asked, how come you're not playing? How come you're not playing? Then a tour was booked. Uh, and it was wonderful. People talked about it and reviewers, so it became more and more, which I'm very glad about. It's different. I can't explain how. First of all, the whole uh the way of living in Europe is different than here. From yeah. the food till the way of uh looking at music, of respecting uh I don't I, I shouldn't say respecting. It's less taken for granted, I think. You understand what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I'm not, I don't mean it as a as criticism to the way it is here. It's like the way I thought about, I wasn't born here. So to me, to see somebody in a playing live, I'd be like this. For somebody that was born here, you go out your front door in Chicago to a neighborhood bar in the corner, and you're going to hear a drum. In New Orleans, you're going to hear one of the best drummers you ever heard in every street corner. So of course it's uh yeah. taken for granted. It's not like oh the disrespect. No no it's not. It happens everywhere. At least it used to. Less now. So you but there it doesn't happen. Not this type of music. Not the the blues based soul drenched rhythm and blues jazz swing. It's music that was born here. You know. Mm-hmm. It's born from the the African American culture. Let's be more specific about it. So it's born and bred here. It's very common here. It's less common there. So no, no, any criticism to anyone anywhere is just sometimes you feel maybe a little more appreciated, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. in Brazil, I did extensive tours in Brazil and played all the, I even lived there for a few months uh, or a year of my life. Wonderful. The way you are being, but a guy told me one thing, he you said you always be treated better not in your own. Home. There's a biblical sentence about this too. Yeah, yeah. In your... So we should take that into consideration too, because you are the you are the guest. You're always going to treat your guests a little bit uh, nicer, you know. So I think a good combination of uh, it was great. My music was accepted. I felt like in the last few years I was able to play more of my original compositions and songs and less cover tunes which was going with the theme that I was telling you about the way I was feeling anyway and and writing my full album. Um, Just being accepted more for who I am, uh, having to say that, it's work. You play a show, you have to give it all you have. So there's no more, oh, warming up on the first three songs because we have two sets now. That thing a few years ago, it went out the door and I'm coming to play a show. So you're playing a show. Like you see James Brown jumping on stage from the first second, he's hopping. There's no warming <laughs> up time, right? Right. No, you yeah. on. There's no time to like, no, no, no. You know, you have, or doing a TV spot for a song. So it's like understanding the role, learning to focus, learning to already warm up before, also long drives before getting to the gig, to the show. Mm-hmm. So you try to take care of yourself. I know it's of the musicians, so people think about musicians. You think about them a certain way, but I have a series of 12 wine nighters in Europe. We have 10-hour drives at a time, or six hours. I need to sing tonight. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And I sing great for 90 minutes. That's how I see it. Because they see me one time. Most of them never saw me at the first tour. Most of them probably won't see me in, within a year. So they're going to see me for 90 minutes. In their life, other than that's how I see it. So I try to protect myself. I try to drink a lot of fluids. I try to rest as much as I can. And play even when I'm on tour. Spend as much time as I can. So when I hit the stage, I'm steaming. I'm coming in to give you what I have for the show. So mm-hmm. that's a side of me that I learned by doing, actually, the tours overseas more because again it's a different role you play more shows and then i started doing it here too more shows less less sets at a at a, at a small venue a club so this is the difference you know i think you mm-hmm. you need to understand you're playing a show now mm-hmm. not that you shouldn't respect the club you should because some of the some of the shows are being at clubs and some of the shows of the people who mentored us and you look up to was were played at clubs. Some of those recordings were at small clubs, but you respect it, respect what you're doing. Of course, it's harder to do for four and a half hours than it is for 90 minutes. On the other hand, the focus, you know, of trying to execute exactly what you're feeling the best way you can. You know yeah. what I'm saying to, to really so every note will matter, every lick will matter every 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 beat will matter. I think this is something uh that I learned, and I think it could be different overseas as far as execution because you have a shorter show frame, you know you have again ninety minutes, it's not four hours anymore, but it's less okay, let's play a song now for fifteen minutes to groove on just because there's none of that, you know, so it's cool it's. The foods were great. The sights were wonderful. Uh, the hospitality everywhere I went was m- moving almost to, mm. to know that you didn't know me. You just liked my music and it makes you treat me well. And it makes me and my colleagues and my band members want to give you more because you're so nice to me. And I haven't even played a note other than you hear in my records. So... Mm that's what i take from the road uh and it's different in that sense and also that little excitement of flying to your destination people waiting for you at the airport knowing that you are outsider a certain maybe responsibility of you representing something first of all yourself second you kind of certain ambassador of uh of good music i like to call it you know yeah
0: it's a good way to put it boy like like i said earlier you can uh Man, you can hear your passion for what you do so clearly, man, and everything that you that you say it's it's really it's really refreshing. Thank you know, you. it really is refreshing in that. I, I love to talk to people that are extremely passionate about their their music and their playing and that. And you know what, I find that that's a common that's a common denominator amongst a lot of great players. You know a lot of great players are just so, so sold on it. They're just so, I mean, just so invested in it. I, I think, I think that's really cool. And I know that's going to come out in your music, in your new album. So and I can't I wait to hear
1: this, it. I, this I can, I heard it. <laughs> I can promise this with everything. I put everything I own on that, that it comes out to with this one.
0: Very good. Well, I tell you what, guy, I appreciate the time. I I really, it was a pleasure meeting you because I know we've never met. Not like this. Anyway. I know. It's, and uh, so I'm really glad. And, you know, I wish you and your wife, you know, congratulations on the new baby that's Thank coming. You. Thank you very much. Thank and you. Uh, enjoy this time that you're down with the family because – will be long. You'll be in Europe for three months. <laughs> I mean, I've
1: been doing every second, and, you know, I try to make the best out of every situation. But I also thank you so much for, for contacting me, for bringing it on, and uh yeah. for the conversation. I had a wonderful time talking to you.
0: Great. Same here. Now, you take care, okay? You as well. All right.
1: Bye, guys. Bye-bye. All
0: right. There you go. There was uh Guy King right here on Guitar Talk. You know what? You can go to guitar uh, guyking.net. In order to learn more about his release, Joy is Coming, which is coming out on May 28th. His new single with Joe Bonamassa is coming out April 28th. You're going to absolutely love it. And I think he's got some dates in Chicago that are going to be happening here in the next couple of months. And I'm sure that by uh, the end of the year, summer or whatever, he'll be you know, back out doing more shows and stuff. But, uh, I know he's put a lot of time into this because he was on Delmark records before, and now he's releasing this project, you know, independently. So, uh, congrats to him for that. I know it's a lot of hard work, but it could pay off really well for him. And, uh, Man, you're gonna want the album. That's all I'm gonna say. You're gonna want the album because it is it is really good. Okay, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Guitar Talk today. Uh, next week, my guest is German guitarist Marcus Demel. Now, Marcus is band is called the Blue Poets, and his other band is called Arrowhead. He's got two bands in uh, Germany. He also runs a a record label called Triple Coil Music. He's got his own guitar products and everything. You want to go to Guitar Talk Official and check him out or go to, uh, you know, to uh, Google and just Google Marcus Demalis D-E-M-L. I tell you what, the guy is flat out a great player, one of my favorite players by far in that because he's just got so, he's like an onion, man. He's got so many layers of of great guitar and you know, just stacked up and within him so it's really cool so he's going to be our guest next week you're really going to enjoy that conversation because he's man he's a guitar player (laughs) all right so until next week i'm jimmy warren thank you so much for tuning in to guitar talk please leave us a review send us a note connect with us on uh, facebook and social media We'd love to know what you think about the show. Okay, thank you so much. And we will see you next week with Marcus Snow.